0: i've expressed a desire to dive deeper into the masculine within relationship the men's side of relationship and the reason i wanted to do that is because i find that so often as men we are sort of trapped within our bodies not even being able to label the emotions we experience because we don't necessarily have a broad range of accepted emotions and so putting language to the somatic experience we have can be very challenging. And so, of course, anyone who's in relationship with a man would also likely want to have more insight into their experience and what that could be like. And so this conversation that I'm going to have today is one of quite a few that are on the way. I have some incredible guests lined up for this conversation and including today's guest. He's previously been on the podcast. He's an incredible teacher in relationship. He's an author, and he's a good friend. Him and his partner are both relational educators, and he's just always had a, a really profound impact on me as a writer, as a, in the way that I think about relationship, and he certainly was a trailblazer in that space in terms of talking about men and relationships, and women too. And So I'm so excited to share today's conversation. The conversation moved me, and it's going to move you without a doubt. So before we get started, please, wherever you listen to this, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of these episodes and please give it a five-star review and a written review that is so helpful to raise its rankings so it can get into more people's ears so that we can make relating better so we can finally get the education that we were not given that is the most essential education we could have. So if this episode or any others float your boat, they get you excited, please share it on socials and tag me. That's so appreciated. All right, hot off the press, I gotta tell you, Organifi has a new blend and it is chocolatey delicious. It's called Harmony and it is made for healthy hormones. It's designed for women. So it combines superfoods and adaptogens that have been used for centuries to support inner balance and bliss. With the ladies in mind, this blend is designed so you can feel your best and experience daily harmony. It's plant-based, it's gluten-free, it's vegan, it's dairy-free, it's soy-free, got cacao, maca, shatavari, stinging nettle, ginger, turmeric, coconut milk, chaste tree. I mean, it sounds delicious. It is delicious. I've tasted it. It's chocolatey delicious, so you can't go wrong. And it's designed for healthy hormones to use during your menstrual cycle. So there you go. Go to Organifi.com create the love to save 20% and get free shipping. And that is special to create the lovers on top of the 20%. So go to organified.com slash create the love. And so without further ado, here is the incredible Brian Reeves. What's up, my friends? We have, we are so lucky to have Mr. Brian Reeves back. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? I'm glad to be here. Good to see you, Mark. So good to see you. And I'm so happy to have you back because since you've been on the podcast, you have written a new book. Uh, yes. That's right. Yes, you have. And the title of your book, I think, would be feeling to some and challenging to others. I was just thinking <laughs> the title of the new book is Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. And, and I personally love that title and it's a little bit self motivated. So I'll say why, which is I wrote an article about how, and you and I, I think you and I have talked about this. Now we've for sure talked about this before. Just the impact of relational endings on men, and that mm-hmm. are we don't often change till we have to or till it's too late. And so I love the title of your book because it's kind of like you know I think that often men. I'm going to just say that this is my experience, at least, is that I think that often men feel sort of picked on emotionally or relationally. And that's because we've had an advantage of not having to look at our shit. So now like having to look at our shit feels uncomfortable and feels like a bit of a focus. But I think we need to focus on what we need to change and also celebrate at the same time, because there's sort of it's like we're either getting dumped on or nothing, you know, in some way.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Men do we do get picked on I think in, in a larger context, women have been sat on. Right. Or <laughs> but they've been sat on for a long, long, long time. But yeah,
0: I think. <laughs> Thank you for that, that correction.
1: Yeah. But I do have a lot of, you know, I'm a man, you're a man. I have a lot of empathy for men. And I believe that we are, that's my experience. I think we're set up to fail, Mark. We yeah. are set up to fail. When it comes to love and intimacy and relationship, we certainly aren't set up to succeed. And I would say we are even set up to fail. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of empathy for for what men go through. At the same time, I, you know, I'm, I also am a big believer in taking responsibility. Right. You know, so I think that's, you know, this book, that very first chapter, the title is No One Ever Taught Me How to Be a Man. Mm. You know, I start there. Because I think we have to start there if we're going to talk about what it means to really show up for a relationship and lean into these challenges that we're faced with. And I think we have to start by acknowledging nobody ever taught us just how to even be a fucking grown up, you know, be an adult, be a man. I'm talking to men specifically, but.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, I think about, you know, what we as men, what is required of us, no matter our gender combination relationally, what is required from us in order to meet our partner or raise a family or whatever it might be, is the very, you know, let's call that emotional connection, emotional depth, emotional intelligence, relational intelligence, is what we are taught is not associated with masculinity. So we are taught to abandon that very skill to which we will later be demanded to have and require in order to raise our children, but especially to meet our partner in a space of some emotional need. Yeah, and we're yeah, like, yeah. what? I don't, I'm just <laughs> a provider. I just go to work yeah. and do the thing. I didn't have, yeah. to. your emotions yeah. are a lot.
1: Yeah. And not only, not only, you know, did our fathers not prepare us. For for this or are or the adults, because I, I would say, you know, women aren't any more prepared to do this well than we are for the most part. <laughs> but also I, I do look, when I do look at sort of the gender roles and uh, throughout, you know, for the last, you know, for millennia, for eons, there was no expectation that men would show up emotionally in right. relationships. That's weren't even what relationships were largely for. They were, you know, there's largely economic Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Marriages of 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 economics and family lineage. I mean, look, we're not going to go down that road. There's so many. Just it's just history. It, it is. We what just it is. know it's true. Okay? We just know that. It's yeah. True, right? Yeah. Just take it. <laughs> we're not, <it. laughs> not going to argue the merits and the the flaws in it. But that's so. Here we are, you and I. Here we are. You know, in the in the what? What are we? Is this the 21st century? I don't know. It's I don't
0: know. The last year has felt like one century. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the 25th now. 25th century. (laughs) We're we're being expected. We're
1: expected to show up in a way that we've never ever ever that nature life has not prepared us for. Right. Yeah. And and not that I think that's a bad thing. I think that this is a good. You know, that's a value judgment I'm making, but I think it's ultimately a good thing. I think it does serve humanity it serves the whole that we learn these skills of of emotional presence and uh just you know actual listening and 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 how to you know empathic communication i think that these are healthy things for our species uh for you know the future of humanity and our our inhabitants on this planet these are good things but nobody we're not prepared for
0: it right um, it's so true yeah And we're not prepared to even, we don't even have the skill set to sit in the humility of the space (laughs) that is required to recognize that we need it. And I think, you know, I think about how hard it is, you know, to hold shame and connection at the same time. I mean, that's that's a dance. And and that requires getting to know your shame so you could still be present within yourself. And I think about how much like when your partner tells you they need something more from you or your work even gives you feedback that can you hold the space that feels like you're not enough and that you're, um, cause I think so much of what we protect ourselves from as men is this feeling of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. And so like when your partner says, I need this from you, I need you this to change. It's like, you have to be able to hold inadequacy. And it's like, but I buy shit to avoid inadequacy. I take steroids <laughs> to avoid inadequacy, right. I, Yeah, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really remarkable. Um, you know, I'm thinking of someone that I I worked with, um, not long ago, a a man, a weightlifter, big and buff, you know, and putting on, and I said this to him at one point, talked about, you know, you're putting, you've put on all of this, this armor on your body. And yet when it comes to relationship and intimacy, he, he has, he's riddled with insecurities and fear and anxieties. And I, I think, you know, for being honest, I think a lot. Most of us men, unless we're suffering from the the opposite end of of grandiosity, where mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I am the shit, right? And yeah, the world will bow to me, and that exists. But I think, by and large, in my experience, uh, what you talked about not being not being enough I think that's the the human condition. I mean, the, all of the demands, especially in this modern age, all the demands that are placed on us. Uh, all of the pressures, especially in our hyper individualistic culture where the, the extended family has been kind of decimated and we're trying to
0: live in these little two person villages, get all our needs met from from one other person. Fuck yeah, who's was feeling <laughs> buried below our needs because that was not the job of a partner. No, and, and of a human. How could they? And And even
1: and then let's talk just for a moment about masculine and feminine, the masculine and feminine dance of intimacy. You know, I, I say in my experience, the, the, the wh- sort of whoever in a relationship, whether man, woman, it's not a, it's not a gendered thing, but whoever part, whichever partner is sort of being more the, the voice of, of feminine yearning, which is essentially saying, you know, I, I love me more. I want more connection, more connection. They're naturally going to be attracted to a partner who's, who's, who's uh, expressing more of the masculine yearning for, for freedom and for, um, that sort of, you know, individual expression, uh, the one who's saying, give me more connection is like in the face of that, you know, in my relationship, I definitely represent usually more of the masculine pole of things. And my partner's yearning for connection is, uh, it's unsatisfiable. Mm -hmm. I can't possibly show up with enough connection to make my partner (laughs) always happy. (laughs) It's, I don't have it. I don't have it to offer. I just don't. So I have it in moments. I'll hit these little sweet spot moments. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm, you know, once every six months, I'll take mushrooms and man, you know, and have a, have a day with her and she <laughs> loves it. It's the best thing ever. Cause I'm all in my body, all in connection. I'm all, I'm worshiping her in the, in that moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's unsustainable. It is. And, you know, I think sometimes like this would be historically true. And this would be true today that I, you know, I certainly have cultivated more capacity for that, for connection. And I would say that historically, I might've been more the yearning partner in that recognizing like what I was yearning in them, like this need for that thing was really like, could I sit in it myself? Could I sit in that space? And it's not to say that there are obviously necessary, you know, there's necessary moments of deep connection. And I find sometimes when I'm in more of that, sort of masculine yearning when kylie wants to talk Uh you know i'm like there possibly couldn't be enough conversation and i'm filled with more words than if there was a talking olympics i'd probably get gold silver bronze so Uh you know but there's something about it sometimes where i'm just exhausted or not able to and yeah yeah. well or or or
1: you know i I just want to focus on other things i've got other other missions i want to give myself to there's other other sort of freedom pursuits that I'm really excited about. And I'm a value in looking at my relationship going, look, we're, we're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. We're, what do you mean? We feel disconnected. What are you talking about? <laughs> Everything's great. No, we're, we're good. We got a roof over our heads. Nothing's on fire. We've got lots of food and no one's bleeding. What what do you need from me? There's There's a fire over here. Let me go put that out. You know, my, my work is calling. My work needs me. You clearly don't need me if, you know, you're a healthy adult. That this, these are the sort of the stories that play out in certainly in my mind a lot. And I find this a, 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 lot, a lot true for a lot of men. Obviously, not all men. Nothing fits everybody. But I, I do find that, you know, we, we men tend to, and certainly some women as well tend to sort of just look at the relationship and say, okay, are there any problems I have to solve here? <laughs> It's so true. And if there's no problems that I need to solve here, then what are we talking about?
0: <laughs> are we thriving? We must be thriving if there's an absence of challenges. I, what is interesting, too, like for the skeptic listener, I just want to speak to that the research also supports this, that that women are a much more accurate barometer to the relational, their tolerance for any relational sort of mm. Mm, shakiness uh, is much lower, and and that makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, you know, because they could die, they could get injured, they could get hurt, they could be left, and they're much more vulnerable in a pregnant state in you know, a in that state. So,
1: yeah, I, I was really surprised a few years back to learn that women actually initiate most of the divorces that yes, occur. Yeah, that's right. I was, uh, I guess, I, I'm not sure why that surprised me. I mean, it makes sense. And as I think about it, because again, I see this over and over and over, and and I've been subject to it. I mean, six months into my relationship with Sylvie, she broke up with me. And I was like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. You know, it's like, I think that's the, again, it's the, you know, I was in the military. you know overwhelmingly it's 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 males that do military service uh i served with a lot of amazing women so i don't want to deny that that reality as, as well but i think there's there's a there's something in the in the capacity of masculine being to withstand discomfort mm-hmm. to disconnect from feeling and just be in the in the in the in the perspective of things in the mind of things in the logic of things in the you know, it's a made up logic, you know, but it's, it's that, that capacity to say, nah, there's no problem here. Everything's fine. Yeah. Well, we'll just, let's just keep going. Yeah. You know, th- th- something funny happened early in my relationship with Sylvie. We were getting ready to go on a trip one night. Uh, it might've been a, a month or two months. We might, it might've been our trip to Ireland for five or six weeks. I can't remember what it was, but we were, we were leaving, um, to go somewhere amazing. And we're packing that evening and it's uh, nighttime and uh, she's in her room, I'm in, I'm in my office and she comes out of the, the room and she looks at me and she goes, I'm sad. And I just looked at her and I said, okay, keep packing.
0: And that was the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> you always get accurate, immediate feedback of the wrong answer. I just want to point first, out the first off I didn't realize it was a question. Keep packing.
1: It's <laughs> just, okay. It's like, you know, because my ethic is I want to embrace what she's feeling. I want her to know that her feelings are welcome. And it's like, I didn't really know what to do with that in the moment. I just thought, well, all right, you're sad. Cool. We'll just keep packing. We got packing to do. You know, we got a mission to accomplish. A problem. Use
0: your sadness to fill your suitcase. <laughs> this is the, I can't wait to talk <laughs> to Sylvia about this because she's going to be like, oh, it's so good. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So... You know, it's these, these little things, you know, Sylvia and I, we can laugh at them because we're aware of them. I think a lot, so many couples are not aware of these differences as they show up and, and are constantly, you know, I'll often tell couples that I don't believe it's the differences between you or the, or the, or the so-called, well, I, yeah, I don't believe it's the differences or the tensions between you that's causing problems. It's you're constantly trying to make them go away. Resolve them that's causing problems. There's a reason I am with Sylvie and not buddy Tate. You know, I married Sylvie because she brings such a a depth of feeling uh expression. I I felt this the first night I met her in person. Mm -hmm. Uh we had talked on the phone off and on for a couple months and chatted, and I, I couldn't really feel her energy much, but the first night I actually met her in person, I felt like someone had just you know, pushed me off a cliff into the deepest ocean of being. I mean, it was intoxicating being in her presence. You know, and I, I tend to be very heady. I tend to live neck up a lot. Uh, you know, it's, that's why I think, you know, the reason I write is because when I write, I really get in touch with my emotions. I sort of express my emotions through the, my creative output of writing. And here is this woman that I've partnered with who is, man, she is a feeling live wire. She is a lightning rod for feelings. <laughs> and I clearly, I, I want that in my life. Mm-hmm. But I, as much as I'm also, you know, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that in my own self. Like it's scary for me to feel a lot. And there are childhood reasons for that. And, but, you know, and, and cultural reasons for that as a man. You know, but there, there's a, you know, I can still feel it today where if I'm watching a movie, even sitting next to Sylvie and I start to tear up, I hear the voice in me that says, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh-uh, It's not safe. Don't do that. Don't feel that. Don't, don't show that. I know it's insane, but I still,
0: the programming runs deep. And so yeah, I got that one too, even just, in the notebook, I mean, uh, <laughs> everyone should cry in the notebook. That's socially acceptable that yeah. everyone can cry.
1: Yeah. Every time it rains, you know, I think, which is not often in Southern California. So, you know, I think of the notebook, it was such an <laughs> emotional, touching moment. And so, you know, we bring into our lives, the complementary energy. I would say there's so many ways of languaging that, but you know, we, we, we are attracted to that, which we have either disowned in ourselves or rejected in ourselves or resist in ourselves. Like we're, we're, we're Unconsciously, unconsciously, we're seeking wholeness, right. and we're seeking to heal. The way wounds, you're saying that, yeah. Seeking to heal old wounds, and and so we're we're, you know, we bring our a person into our life who represents aspects of ourselves that we are uh, out of touch with. I would say, for a, a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, as much as we want that person in our life, we're also we, we want those energies, those expressions in our lives. We also reject them as we reject them in ourselves. So these tensions, these differences are they're cooked in to the dance. They're cooked in, they're baked into the cake that, that is relationship. <laughs> and if we try to make them go away, you know, it's essentially a way of trying to make the other person exactly like me. You know, when I told Sylvie to keep packing, I'm essentially telling her, "Okay, get over the sadness." No, it doesn't serve us right now. You don't need it. It doesn't help. It doesn't. It's just going to get in the way of packing. (laughs) (laughs) We have a mission to accomplish, which is packing. So, okay, ready, good, go. I'm trying. That's that's me. You know, that's what I do. You know, I I don't. What do I need to feel the sadness over? You know, my father's absence from my life. I got shit to do. I don't have time to feel that. You know, that happened one day driving in a car. I think we were going to the grocery store and my dad called a few years back and Sylvie was in the car and uh, the phone was on speaker and, you know, she heard the conversation. It was a brief conversation and she she could feel my sadness at at my lack of connection with him. And she told me, she said, you know, it's okay, Brian, if you want to pull the car over, you know, and just cry. And I was like, why would I do that? I said, you know, wow, Sylvie, we're, we're driving. I'm driving. I'm not, not going to pull over. I'm driving. Well, where the fuck are we going? We're going to the grocery store. <laughs> like we're just going to get lunch meat. Why? It's going to be there. You know, it's there in five minutes. It's there in an hour. It's there tomorrow. But you know that that. But see what I mean? That's me. I'm trying to turn Sylvie into me. And so long as I'm trying to turn her into me, or she's trying to demand that I pull the damn car over and cry. You know, this is the challenge I think couples really face is how do we how do we dance with our differences? How do we laugh at them? How do we not how do we not lose our patience with each other as yeah. we're sort of playing out these old patterns and and these old ways of being that obviously, man, I do need to feel the sadness around my father. I've done a lot of work in grieving the relationship with my father. I've done a lot of work, and that's probably work I'll do for the rest of my life. But it's important that I attend to it regularly, and not because otherwise, what I'll do, Mark, is I just I I stiffen, I shut down, and then my partner gets a shut down man who's angry at her for feeling so much, for crying when the day when you know for for having for feeling sad when the day is over, because the day's over and she's sad. I can't even feel. Are you kidding? Like internally, I can't even feel sad around my around my dad missing from my life. You're gonna fucking feel sad because the day is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I know. I'm talking a lot here, but I just one last story. I, I worked with a couple who would uh, go surfing in in Malibu a couple times a week. A heterosexual couple, and at the end of the day, when the sun went down, uh, wife would get sad. She would just get sad. The day is over. And the husband would get mad. He'd get angry because she was getting sad. He was also a military veteran, very, very disconnected, very, very wounded in his own sort of connection to his body. and uh, he, But he would get enraged at her sadness. And, you know, this is, again, kind of points to another sort of primal masculine feminine dynamic where in, in that map of masculinity and femininity, the the, the feminine wants things to keep going. I don't want this to end. More connection, more time with each other, more, you know, more just play and more on and on, more conversation, right? It's not enough words to say all the things.
0: Uh, I love that you're saying those aren't gender specific either. Like those are just ways of being. Just ways of being. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. When I when I am in my, when I'm sort of in, in stepping into a moment of feminine enjoyment, I don't want shit to end either, man. I want to be the last one to leave the party. I am the last one to leave because I'm connecting with everybody. I'm having such a good time. I don't want it to end. Yeah, so it's not at all a gendered thing. But the in the masculine wants things to end immediately. Let's get to the end of this as quickly as possible. What's the point of this? If there's no point to it, why are we doing it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to the masculine, it's like, oh, thank God the day is over. I'm done with this day. I did everything. I'm, I emptied myself of whatever I, hopefully, you know, whatever I had to do, I did. And I'm done let's just bring it to a close or this conversation. Great. We solve that. Can we shut <laughs> up? And move on to something else? Everyone can
0: relate to that one. And, I'm sure.
1: And so this couple, they, man, they, and I see this a lot at the end of the night, like with the partner who's feeling less connected, doesn't want to turn the lights off. You know, if they, if they have a, if, they, if there's hope that they can get the connection they're yearning for before the end of the day, they want to keep the light on and keep talking, keep doing whatever. But the one who's, Sort of holding the more masculine pole is like I'm fucking done. I'm already overwhelmed with the connection we have. It's already too much for me. Can we just turn the light off and go to bed? <laughs> so it's like if we're not aware of these things, of these differences that really don't go away, and they they just you know they're tensions that stay with us. I think through a lifetime. And yeah, they may they may we may swap them at different times. You know, there are times when you know again I want way more connection than Sylvie is offering you know, she, maybe she's busy on her work project or she's just focused elsewhere. And I'm like, where the hell'd you go? You know, and now I'm reaching out and wanting more connection than she can offer in the moment, but it's important if, if that we're aware of these. So at the very least we can laugh at them when they arise.
0: Well, yeah. And I think like I have re- you know, I'm laughing at some of the things you're but, saying because yeah. I relate so much to it, you know, where I'm finished working and then I'm like sitting, having, you know, a I don't have any exciting drinks, a sparkling water or something. That's about the limit of my, uh-huh. uh, my indulgence and, or kombucha if I get real wild. Mm. And so I'm like sitting there and then she's wanting to talk. And I'm like, mm. I don't have capacity uh-huh. right now. And I, ha- you know, I formally, I would have talked and just let myself right. go and, and, but instead like truly honoring the capacity I have so I can be present yeah. when there is, um, needs for connection and, in. You know, it's interesting because she's like, Kai goes to bed at like 8.30 or 9. I, for sure, was formerly like a 1 a.m. midnight kind of person. Uh uh And I want to speak to sort of where do we find a middle because what's occurred for me is Kai's way more introverted Mm -hmm. than I am. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, extroversion always, I used to have FOMO, now I get uh Mm. Was it uh, Jomo? Joy of missing out. Oh, okay, and right. yeah, I like that. but I like FOMO, yeah. I used to have yeah. FOMO because my survival strategy was to constantly be around people to not have to be just in my own presence, be yeah. validated yeah. through social skills and all the things, and and be busy. And so it's been really interesting to one learn I'm far more introverted than I ever identified because I'm realizing where I ended was so much closer to home yeah. than I spent time in, yeah. and the other thing was that I also now realize I'm a morning person and I go to bed at, you know, a compromise of, she might go to bed at 8 or 9 or 9.30, but I'll go to bed at 9.30 sometimes with her mm-hmm. and then sometimes 10, 10.30, mm-hmm. but I'm not late anymore. And so it's been this really, really interesting to like explore that what is the things I was sort of afraid of her deep thought, her her um, feeling, mm. her ability to not like her presence to herself, reading books, all of that was was so important to her, mm-hmm. and it sort of scared me. Mm. It scared me because I was afraid of silence, I was afraid of stillness, or hurting people's feelings because I didn't go out or I said no to something.
1: Yeah,
0: and so it was such an. It's so interesting to sort of see the invitation that I've had to, uh, and I feel like we've met in this halfway place. Yeah. Uh, in some way sometimes you know as you said we switch and and so i'm curious like for people listening and i'm also curious for myself is one how do you appreciate the differences Mm -hmm. because you said one thing i really love that you said is like we're essentially trying to turn our partners into us yeah which that would remove everything exciting like all of a sudden we'd be like i'm dating my fucking self (laughs) the only good thing about that is i'll always be right Right, and we'll always have the same opinions. Yeah, you know, but nothing really constructive is ever created from no sort of turbulence in a way. And I, I don't want to mistake turbulence for like abuse or anything like that. That's obviously zero tolerance. Yeah. But the to- the turbulence that is created through differences, the yeah. the chemistry that's created through differences, and and you know, I'm sure for many people listening, no matter their gender, they might be the one who has the yearning more. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do I get them to connect a little? How do I get a man? Because that's usually the question we get. Yeah, yeah. How do I get a man to want to do that, to want to do the work, to want to change, to yeah. want to? And I know that there's for sure a man listening right now or a yeah. person who's yeah. like, I'm a man and I want my partner to do that. So yeah. it's like, I guess we're just talking about behaviors. So. Yeah. Well, first off, the, the
1: formulation, I hear that question a lot as well, Mark. How do I get my partner to? Right. That formulation is problematic from the start. How do I get them to? You can't get your partner to do anything they don't want to do because if you do get them to do something they don't want to do, they're not going to respect themselves and you won't respect them either, and it's just gonna build resentment et cetera on and on so i think the the question i think the question that that arises for me just as you're asking that question is is It's like how do we how do we honor each other's differences in ways that preserve relationship, right? Because there is constantly this there is the constant sort of pull: come closer, come closer, be more like me. You know, where there's there's safety and similarity. If you feel if you feel like like I feel, there's safety. If you think like I think, then I'm safe, right? So this is it's this constant pull towards. I need to know that I'm safe, but then like uh, to your what you said, if I, if, if you just constantly think like I do feel like I do, well, now I'm going to be bored. It's there's mm-hmm. now there's no danger. And without any danger, there's no, you know, that's where erotic friction lives. Uh, it lives in difference. It lives in our differences. It lives in, in the mystery that, you know, as I look out and I, I don't know who you are exactly, you know, if I think I have you figured out, well, that's not very interesting. Yeah, okay, maybe I can, it's like, again, come back to, oh, I've solved the problem of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. Now I can just that, do other but. things. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else because I've already figured you out, you know. So, you know, this is a, a journey that I think every couple has to go on for themselves and i'm a big fan of getting professional support you know getting getting help in uh, you know yeah our, agreed and and these days professional support is really a substitute for for the guidance of wise elders because we really don't have wise elders so much Mo- most of us don't really have access to wise elders i mean our parents were just winging it when it comes to relationship themselves and you know we were lucky if they if they did it well i'd say that's the minority mm-hmm. That's, I think, you know, getting professional support is, 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 it's like just tapping into the community. We're not supposed to, this, these two person villages that we're trying to pull off, they don't work. So, you know, getting support, like, like listening to our conversation, it's my hope that people that are listening are going, oh, like having little light bulb moments of understanding such that it's like, oh, okay, that difference with my partner is normal. That's not, there's not something wrong with me or something wrong with them. Like that's cooked into it. So the question is, how do we thrive with it? How do we learn to dance with it? I'll tell you one thing that I practice personally, and I've been trying to cultivate this for a long time, Mark, is sort of radical acceptance of my partner. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean radical toler- toleration of abuse. Or 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 radical tolerance of my boundaries being violated. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the full on embrace. I mean, look at the title of my book: "Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her." Like if I'm choosing, you know, I I had this epiphany early, long before I did this work. You know, as I was sort of in my twenties and you know, in the midst of all of the disasters I was creating, I just sort of had this epiphany that, oh, we're always with the right partner for us. I'm always with mm. the right partner. That doesn't mean they're the right partner forever, but I'm with the right partner for right now because I'm choosing this. I mean, at least in our culture, you know, we don't have a right with marriages. Is my parents didn't force me to marry somebody. And there are cultures on the planet where if I don't marry the person I'm told to marry, I could be murdered by my family. So I'm not talking about that culture. I'm talking about our culture where, you know, we're at choice. And so long as I'm choosing this, I'm choosing this. And that radical ownership of responsibility for what I'm choosing, I think is in our culture is a really important foundation for creating a healthy relationship with somebody. Because if I don't take that radical ownership, then my partner becomes the problem. It's their fault this isn't working.
0: Mm, what a powerful perspective shift, you know, which is often how we look at it as we go. They're the ones doing this, this, and this. And we're now recognizing that we're choosing them in that That's right. space, how they're being. And, and I love how you said that we're always with the perfect partner because how they're being, how our relationship is dancing together is a reflection of perhaps the things we were taught, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps we're choosing them because we don't realize we have other choices, that we have a choice to change a behavior or to. And that's such a big thing is when you recognize and can hold perhaps the shame, the guilt, the anger, the rage that comes with the recognition that you choose them. Yeah. You're now free. Totally. Because you choose all the things. Like every, I remember reading a quote that said, everything that is in your life currently got there because you said yes to it. And I remember being like, nah, fuck that. I didn't like that quote. You know? I, I didn't say yes to this quote. Get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And I remember being like, fuck that. No. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I really just sort of sat with it, and that's why, you know, what you said about it's always the perfect partner. When I sat with it, you recognize that if you're going to take responsibility for the choice you make now, it means that you're responsible for all of them. Yeah. So then you run a Rolodex of all the bad choices you made in your life, and that requires too much capacity for shame and guilt and in and, and responsibility. That it's just easier to pour another tequila. It's just easier. Mm-hmm. I say it's it's definitely not fucking easier. No. Let me clear that one because yeah. I did the dance on a speaker one night stand effect. You know, <laughs> attempt to get away from responsibility but when you realize that you have that choice and and I really want to dive deeper into that because I think there's something really beautiful and profound in it. Just like before we touch on that, there's something that I just wanted to uh, recognize that I, I sort of see a lot in relational dynamics is that we often code the person who is more uh, quote unquote masculine, the person who's more like doesn't have as much emotional capacity, the person, you know, isn't always yearning for that. We code that as dysfunctional and and we see that as a problem in relationship. I think I find that very fascinating. Like the way that, you know, sort of most relational information is framed towards anxious attachment, Yeah. right?
1: Yeah.
0: Just by nature, if you're seeking out relational education, you're likely more anxiously attached. Because avoidant people aren't like, I should read a book on how to get closer. They're like, that book's going to teach me how to do something I don't really want to do. So I'm just going to stay away from the book. The irony is not lost. Um, But yeah, so just some thoughts on that. And then I'd really love to dive into choice.
1: Well, it's, you know, I I tend to be more avoidant in my attachment style of relating. I have a lot of anxiety in there too, you know, but I tend tend to avoidance. I think for me, what happened at age 36 was I just, you know, 20 years of, of smoldering flames in my wake behind me of, of just relational, you know, uh, catastrophe and chaos. I just decided I don't want to suck at this anymore. Mm -hmm. So I did start, you know, actively studying relationships, but I had to hit bottom in that, in that sense. So, you know, I, I, there was a woman in my early thirties that I, I dated for a number of years and, and man, she, uh, we, she would say the worst things to me that anyone, anyone's ever said to me, certainly in relationships, she would say, I'm disgusting. You know, she would say, you're, you're not a man, you're a boy now. In retrospect, I realized she was actually accurate in that. But it was didn't come from a place of kindness. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't looking
0: for your personal growth.
1: <laughs> no, she wasn't. She was trying to just chop me off at the knees. Uh but she would say I'm disgusting, she would say no it, you know, you don't deserve to be loved by anyone like she would say all these things. I stayed with her for for 5 years and I would fight and and I would argue with her and 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 it it, it I realized only at the end that the only reason I stayed with that for so long, not the only reason, I mean, a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that I was able to stay with someone who would talk to me in this way was because she was only saying out loud what I was thinking in my own head about myself. I am disgusting. I I am not a man. I am a boy. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, I, I don't deserve love. So it's like her... In a way, you know, my, the, the, the story I tell myself about that experience is I, I chose her because I needed to hear outside my head what I was saying inside my head. I needed to hear it from someone else so that I could see how insane it was. So, so for five years, I was in this really painful, abusive relationship. And yet it was one of the most important experiences of my life because it externalized my own internal self-loathing and once i got that i was actually able to get out of it i was able to leave because she wanted to kind of stay there and i was like i'm done with this i got it i understand i understand now and i didn't leave in anger i didn't leave in you know fuck in the fuck you i left in more of the no i'm complete i don't want to have this conversation anymore i don't think i'm disgusting i don't I, i i realize i'm not disgusting i'm not i do deserve love and you know i'm just i'm over this conversation so you know she was no longer a good we were no longer a good fit for each other you know and obviously that's just a small slice of a big pie i'm sharing about that story um Mm -hmm. and and obviously just from my telling of it she would have a whole different story to tell Mm -hmm. but that you know that launched me into six years uh is that right yeah about six five six years of of you know the most profound sort of growth journey of my life and in in really studying about relationship and and it really you know it's funny though by the time i met sylvie mark i was like i got this shit man i've got it all figured out i know all the answers i know yeah, how to i thought do that this. before i met kylie too i know how to do it. i'm on top of the world you know <laughs> i think i think Uh, Uh, my, that blog, the actual blog that inspired the book, choose her every day or leave her went viral, you know, million, a million people a day were reading that blog. When I met Sylvie, like the month I met Sylvie, that was happening. I'm like, I'm on top of the world, man. I I know my shit. I know. I'm going to choose this woman every day. That's right. That's right. And I'm not even going to leave her. I'm just going to choose her. (laughs) And, and that was the beginning of the real work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. I I echo that one. You know.
1: So I think that, that that radical responsibility is so, so important to kind of to kind of bring it back to that. You know, I, I practiced that even even in that moment when Sylvie came out of her room and said, uh, I'm sad. You know, I, I I didn't I realize now the appropriate, not appropriate, I don't like that word, but the 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 skillful response would have been to just kind of step up to her, put my arm around her, say, it's okay, babe you know, what, what's, what's happening for you? Just check in, be curious, you know, just sit with her for a moment. Maybe say, you know, come sit on the couch, tell me about it. And then, you know, let her have her moment. I let her, God, it sounds so patronizing. Be with her. <laughs> <laughs> and say the programming is deep. Let her have her moments. So we can get over this shit. <laughs> let her <Yeah>. just <laughs> say the thing. So yeah. we can get back to packing already. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, no, but just really be with her for the few minutes that it might have, been for her to just you know have have a maybe she just needed to cry just i don't know what was coming up for her and then we would have got back to packing you know i i I see that in retrospect because again my the my mode is get shit done you know get shit done let's tell let's get to the let's get to the you know i always want to tell the redeeming story about everything that's happening you know, I want to go to, and that's what my, my book is full of that. Like the redeeming stories, the teaching stories, the, you know, one of my, one of my clients once called me is actually when silly broke up with me, I I wrote this article when she broke up with me called thank you for leaving me. And it wasn't, it wasn't sarcastic. It was sincere. It was genuine. It was, it's actually in the book. Thank you for leaving me this essay, because it was a, it was a, It was a reflection on wow, like thank you for fucking breaking my heart so open that you know I I know that because of this I'm going to be able to love even more deeply. You know it was a it was a sincere thank you for being amazing and for for being true to yourself and and leaving even though you knew it would not destroy it. I don't use that word, but that it would just be devastating for us both. It was a sincere article, and one of my clients read that and he's like, dude. You're you're a, you're my silver lining guru. I thought that was really cool. I even got the website, silver lining guru. Didn't do shit with it, but I got the website, silver lining guru. <laughs> but I realized too, there's a there's a huge bypass in that. You know, I, I want to go right to the silver lining, but man, there's a whole world of life that I'm bypassing, you know, mm-hmm. of 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 feeling what is there to be felt. I mean, intimacy. One of my one of my coaches over the years gave me this amazing definition of intimacy which is simply feeling what is there to be felt and seeing what is there to be seen feeling what is there to be felt and seeing what is there to be seen what a what a
0: profound definition of intimacy Beautiful. yeah you think about how many moments i've tried to speed through the moment mm-hmm. you know to that you know you're talking about the silver lining it's you know i remember when kai and i broke up we got to do a podcast with them with us oh that would be so amazing could, yeah yeah because i'm sure that people are listening and are like oh a couple of men fucking talking about their relationship let's get their women on the line here yeah i think that'd be <laughs> incredible and yeah. one thing that was really i remember someone saying to me like i got that lot of like sorry to hear uh about your breakup and I I know that came from a really beautiful place because that's usually what we say to someone when they're going through something. But I was so deep in it that that felt like it was speeding me through what I was feeling. Like it was asking me to not yeah. sit in it fully. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, a teacher once say that that we spend every moment wishing for the next or thinking about the next. And I spent so much of my life doing that. You know, not being fully present to the requests of my partners of, of past to feel more or be here more or, you know, and there was there has been and continues to be, but there has been uh in the breakup, and I'm curious about your experience. Uh there was so much in that space that I had never allowed myself to feel before. Yeah, I felt yeah. like I was sort of yeah. marinating in the most painful sea of wisdom and yeah and knowledge and yeah. and yeah. Um, as Francis Weller says, you know, mm-hmm. the soul likes to keep us on the edge of death mm-hmm. and in, and dwell in darkness. Mm-hmm. And I really just dove into that feeling of like, we're taught to avoid darkness, to avoid pain when there's just so much in it there. Yeah. That's where the rest of us is, you know, Yeah, that we've vanished. We're like, I don't like your sad thought. Go to the dungeon. And meanwhile, we're like, well, there's brilliance in sadness and grief and anger. Yeah. I'm um, I'm a huge Francis Weller junkie
1: right now. By the way, right? Did so, I tell you? Uh, you know, uh, a, a mutual friend, Dallas Hartwig.
0: Oh, Dallas did. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: he told me he Francis me is. A... Francis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a devotee to the
0: work to Francis, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Man, he's a boss. And Alchemy of Initiation. Have you consumed that yet? Is that his his online course? Yeah,
1: his audio, okay. five audio. Okay, series, I think five I, audio recording. I think I got it. I'll, I'll start oh, looking to it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so well, I think well, what you're pointing at this this grieving or Francis's work. I mean, I'm just getting familiar with him, but like the work of grieving, and I think that's I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it back here to something you you asked earlier. Or you you brought up this thing like how can I get my partner to thing, you know, and and I, I did this. Uh, video. I'm I'm on TikTok now, which I swore I'd never be on TikTok.
0: There you go, man. You're like going but on 20 I swear nothing <laughs> but a number. I swore. I swore
1: in blood that I would never join TikTok. But <laughs> sh- sh- long story short, I'm on fucking TikTok. So I'm on TikTok anyway. I did this, you know, it's fun little I can drop drop my wisdom nuggets on on TikTok. But I did a with a dance. I like it. <laughs> So far, no dancing, Mark. No choreographed <laughs> awkward dancing. But I dropped this one yesterday. Uh, I put it on Instagram also about masculine checkout syndrome. And again, I, 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 you know, I'm a man, so I tend to speak from that perspective because it's it's mine about masculine checkout syndrome. When a when a man shows up physically but checks out emotionally or 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 mentally. You know, it it it's it's a it's a popular video already, and and one woman left a comment. She said, um, "I showed this to my husband, and he just said nothing, blank stare, nothing. Just checked right out. She so he's checked right out. He's already been checked out, and he's still checked out. And this ain't checking him back in. And you know, hundreds and hundreds of comments about just similar. Like that was my ex." This is my current partner. Up oh, been doing this for twenty years, et cetera. You know, some, 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 some men even saying, you know, that's my partner. You know, that's my. Mm-hmm. So again, not it's not a gendered thing. I think overwhelmingly, I do think men tend to animate that more than 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 women do. But by no means do we have a monopoly on it. You just described a similar experience when you and Kai broke up. You know, when I broke up with Sylvie, man, I was so cracked open. Uh, you know a friend of mine years ago uh reframed the broken heart for me uh, his name is Ash uh, Rue is a guy I worked with and and very close friend of mine a uh, singer when my stepmom lost her chihuahua that had been like her third arm for 15 years she was she was like catatonic man when that when mm-hmm. the dog died And we were, we were all at her home and, and we were kind of circling around her and just trying to give her love. And she was in so much pain and, and Ash, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but essentially he reframed the, 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 the heartbreaking as a heartbreaking open. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that teaching he, he gave me in that moment that, that we, we have a choice when, when our heart breaks, it can either, we can either go towards cynicism right? Life sucks. Relationships sucks. Women suck or men suck. You know, this sucks. Everything sucks. You know, I'm not, I'll never love again. This is bullshit, whatever, whatever, you know, cynicism and anger and just withdraw, or we can let that experience open us. We can open to it. The, what happened now, a lot of people are going to choose
0: cynicism because that's our culture. I I chose it for a bit. I, that was not with Kai. Previous, previous response to breakups was checkout syndrome,
1: checkout syndrome. And that's the cultural norm, you know, mm-hmm. like guys will say, nothing gets you over the last one, like the next one, right. Stuff like that. It's very cynical. And yet I think for, again, just, you know, speaking as a man, I think for, for men, especially there's something really, really, uh, Oh, how do I say this? Like you said, you said earlier, some people are gonna love it, some people
0: are gonna hate it. There's something really it's perfect. perfect. If you hate it, it's probably exactly. probably has something to do. It's probably good for you. Probably exactly. What I you know that's true. If I don't like the statement, like everything that got on your plate because <laughs> you said yes to it, fuck that plate, it was true.
1: There's something really profound in hitting bottom. Like we men will change. I think this is true for most people, but we, we change either because we are committed over the long haul to changing, we're working at it constantly, or something so radical happens to us that we have no choice but to change. Yeah, agreed. You know, and I, I think- That's where I had to get to. It's same, and I, I have been committed over the long term to changing, but I still mm-hmm. had needed these sort of moments of great catharsis, breakup. And I think a lot of what, a, what a lot of, You know, I hate to be an advocate for this man, but I think I am an advocate for it, Mark. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what it is. I'm an an advocate for women leaving a
0: relationship where their their partners refuse to change. Oh, I'm 100% an advocate for anyone leaving a relationship where someone's not willing to change. And I agree with you. I think like men don't change. And all the best feedback I ever got in the world was from a woman who was trying to love me, and I was incapable, or afraid, or terrified, or egoic, or yeah. you know. So yeah, I hundred percent agree with. I you. I mean,
1: I I resist. I I feel hesitancy because I'm always like, you know, I I want I want you know I want people to to give it, give it their all, try everything you got, professional support, all that. But when you're with a partner who just refuses to do anything yeah. different, and the only consequence is your complaint is your upset, well, that's clearly not a painful enough consequence. I'm not suggesting leaving as a punishment. I don't believe in punishing anybody as a healthy relationship practice. But leaving as an act of just radical self-care, even if there's kids in the picture. My parents divorced when I was four. And yeah, that fucked me up. But you know what would have fucked me up worse? Them staying together and giving, 100%. giving
0: me a model of love that was actually devoid of love. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is the truth, which is we're so afraid of endings. But I think, you know, that's because we're afraid of death. We're afraid of our culture doesn't celebrate relational endings. And it's this idea that love goes somewhere when something ends. And I, you know, I think I speak for my personal experience of when Kai and I broke up. There was just so much love there. There was so much grace there. There was, you know, sadness and anger and all that. Yeah. But the container changed, but love didn't change. And that, and that was the first time as a, I'll call myself yeah. carefully an adult, <laughs> as an adult, <laughs> that I actually experienced uh-huh. it from yeah. an adult lens of yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to get her back. I'm not going to tell her friends not to talk, you know, like uh-huh. all that bullshit. Uh-huh. But I agree with you. You know, I hear people all the time say, I don't want to leave because the kids or I don't. And I'm like, listen, there are. There, the obviously the ideal is two parents who love each other together with their kids. Yeah, sure. The next is two parents apart who care and are kind to each other. Being together and hating each other, or apart and hating each other, it doesn't matter. You're just actually teaching people to tolerate shit. So I'm like, if you're gonna stay for the kids, do some shit instead of complaining on the comment thread of my Instagram or like DMing me about da 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 da. And it's like, do something. And I think one of the most powerful things for some people in their transformative story is to leave, yeah you know and and, and i wanna I wanna land the plane here with something, please do because um, I just ranted
1: no, 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 it's a good rant and i and i'm I'm on board as well um, how the fuck am I gonna land this plane I wanted to land I wanna <laughs> you land were in this the military plane. shit I didn't I a, fly a plane in the air force, no less, so yeah. I wanna land this plane. I was on the
0: ground saying thank you. From Canada, because because I want to say I
1: want to speak to this. Oh, so how do you get your partner? Let's okay. This is why I'm gonna land this plane. How do you get your partner to X, whatever? Okay, number one, stop pretending in whatever way that looks like you're pretending. Stop pretending that something works for you that doesn't. And by the way, um, well, number two. Also stop can't can, can and, and can you and you and the answer is yes but can you <laughs> do that in a way that also doesn't obligate them to change so it's kind
0: of a paradox mm, you have to learn language and skills in that one it's an invitation that's the deal right there Invit- I, I, I look to relationship I like
1: to frame relationship as an invitation not an obligation so can you be the invitation? to your partner to change not the obligation for them to change it's like it's like throwing a party i'm throwing a party and it's going to be an 80s theme and and there's going to be a clown there we're going to have ice cream cake and we're going to you know i'm going to there's going to be a a, and it's going to be full of cats i'm going to just have cats you want to come and if your partner's like i fucking hate 80s music clowns scare me i'm allergic to cats and uh you know Well, they probably shouldn't come to your party, right? But, and you shouldn't obligate them to come to your party. Why would you want that person to come to your party if they're just going to be miserable at your party? But also, you know, that's your party. That's the party you want to have. So have the damn party and have a good time. And there's going to be a lot of people who love cats and 80s music and clowns and ice cream cake. Hold out for that person to come and hang out at your party, right? That's, That's what I mean by being, by... Don't pretend, or just or just constantly complain, be constantly oh, upset man. over and over and over, because you're just telling them that your boundaries aren't real. They're not actual. They're just your your uh, the way I frame that is you're you're masquerading your your requests as requirements or your requirements as requests. Mm. So anyway, I'm not sure I land. It's, it might have been a bit of a bumpy landing with this plane. I know.
0: I like that. I mean, that's that's the invitation to stand in the truth of what you actually want. And I think we're so cultured and socialized to not know it, compromise it, be it. But you you continue to experience relational pain the more disconnected you are from your values, from your integrity. And if you're staying in relationships or operating in relationships in a way that are not aligned with your own personal values, that you learn by how you feel, that it feels shitty. So you're like, you know and it's i think it's a beautiful invitation to take responsibility you know because it's right like choose them every day or leave them choose yourself too don't forget that you know
1: absolutely
0: yeah choosing them should be choosing you i
1: mean that ultimately i am i'm a fan of uh of everybody gets to win in relationship
0: Yes, yes, yes. And that's such an important thing, because it doesn't mean we're always going to get our way. That's different. That's right. Uh, Because if the relationship wins, we're winning, too, even if sometimes it feels uh, like it might be a loss. Absolutely. So, all right, Brian Reeves, people want to know where you are, where do they find you, where do they get the book?
1: Thank you, Mark. Uh, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves, R-E-E-V-E-S. Uh, choose for Every Day or leave her. it's actually available on Amazon on uh, it's up in Kobo as well you should know Kobo
0: hey yo, Kobo. It's on Kobo
1: in Canada and and should be pretty much international wherever you are just search for it online wherever you get your books and it'll be there and you can connect with me on my website and of course I'm on all the social medias and
0: TikTok, TikTok, tick can't wait put a dance on there for <laughs> us uh brian yeah i love you my friend i appreciate you thank you for coming on and sharing uh your wisdom i'm sure there'll be requests for more deep dives in these types of conversations with you and uh everyone go check out brian if you're on tiktok especially but brian is an incredible writer Like incredible, that's actually how Brian and I met was me reading his writing. And so uh, I've been a longtime fan because I probably discovered your work nine years ago eight years ago at yeah. the beginning of my journey so i appreciate you brother thanks for what you put out to the world
1: mark you're a good man i really appreciate you uh grateful for our connection and thanks for having me on man and just I, I really admire and appreciate how you've how you what you stand for in the world and just to see where you've come man in all these years man so proud of you and and thrilled for you and man i wish you just just all this
0: success in the world man thank you brother yeah. i appreciate you